The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advice offered through Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Welcome to the Financial Focus Radio Show with your hosts, Tyler Simonis and Josh Finelli. Join us as we discuss markets, bring transparency to issues within the financial services industry, and bring honest, thoughtful analysis every week. Good morning, everybody out there in Radio Land. Thank you for joining us. Josh and I are back after taking a week off. For those of you financial focus junkies, you probably realized last week was a best of. If that's such a thing as it relates to financial focus, Josh and I were... Uh, both on spring, separate spring break trips, uh, and so we're back uh, on this Easter weekend and excited to be here. Good morning, Mr. Finelli. Do you have big plans for Grayson and his brother for Easter? Easter egg hunts. Nice. You're it's gonna gonna be awesome. Yeah. Uh, hopefully the weather. I mean, it's supposed to be nice on Sunday, so uh, cross your fingers and hopefully we have good weather for Easter. So as always, if you'd like to be part of our little radio show, give us a call. 877-670-7117, or you can always email us, which is what most people do. Uh, go to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com, click on the Contact Us, and send us an email. Uh, so it's always when Josh and I are preparing for the radio show, after we've missed a week of doing it, um, we always uh, there's always a lot to talk about. And thankfully, our central bank and the Treasury and all the powers that be here in the United States give us plenty to talk about. Uh, especially when we miss a week, there's it's. I, I always think when I'm watching the news when I'm on vacation, especially the financial news is like, oh, I can't wait to talk about that on the radio. So let's talk about the week that was last week in the capital markets. U.S. stocks, as measured by the S&P 500, were up 1.3 percent, and it seems to me uh, that when you think about the crisis, remember, and I'm saying crisis in air quotes, that was the banking crisis, and who knows. Or, could be more shoes to fall, but it seems like that's in the rearview mirror, and that was old news, and markets have traded sharply higher since uh, we got that so-called Silicon Valley Bank crisis. Um, I guess if you had money at Silicon Valley Bank, there was a time when you thought it was a crisis, but since the government now socializes losses, you were made whole, <laughs> even if you were uh, the Chinese national. Uh, international developed market stocks were 1% higher last week. In the emerging markets, we saw stocks trade down a quarter of a percent, so a little bit lower. Small cap stocks continue their underperformance as of late. Um, I think maybe the small cap market is more of a canary in the coal mine than anything, uh, but small caps were down three quarters of 1%. Uh, we continue to see the biggest moves in the rate complex in the bond market. Uh, U.S. bonds, as measured by the aggregate bond index, so think of the S&P 500 of the bond world, uh, was up 1.3% from a price perspective last week. So the ag had a really bad year last year, obviously, and, and uh, has had a good year so far this year. And that what the reason the ag is having a good year is interest rates have, uh, continue to go lower. The yield on the one-year treasury, which is still attractive compared to what it was a year ago. It's come down quite a bit. It's 4.5%. The yield on a 10-year treasury has come down a lot. It's now 3.3%. It was just not so long ago, a couple of weeks ago, that it was over 4%, the yield on a 10-year treasury. So we are seeing yields back up and go lower. And so when you look at what's happening in the small cap market, stock market, and in the bond market, uh, you know, it seems like recession is right around the corner flight, at least what that flight that, to safety that's what that's telling you and a flight to the big mega cap names too and nasdaq up 18 percent, and small caps now flat on the year giving well, up all of that outperformance when you look at the returns of the market it's really in a couple names yeah you know, really 10 names but two names apple and microsoft <laughs> have led the charge for sure uh two markets where we're seeing huge moves higher is in gold and in oil when you look at gold gold's another two percent higher at uh, 2020 an ounce and oil was up six and a half percent last week over eighty dollars a barrel we obviously got that uh uh emergent or i guess it was surprise cut by opec um and so obviously that sent the price of oil uh sharply higher preemptively uh maybe responding to the expectation of lower demand as a result of a worldwide slowdown but uh remember one of the important things there 
OPEC's compliance with its own cuts or their ability to enforce production <laughs> on a country-specific level, it almost doesn't exist. So of it's like not. It's all more of a signaling thing, really, than anything at the end of the day. But, uh, you know, tightness in oil markets doesn't really exist right now, but they're just trying to get ahead of their skis. Uh, so we got some data last week that uh, that sort of points to the Fed probably getting certainly closer to pausing their interest rate cycle hikes. Uh, I mean, the market is is believing right now, at least, that the Fed is done and they're going to start to cut rates later this year. I don't know if I buy that because the Fed has their course of people out there uh, continuing to say that they're going to tackle inflation and get it to their 2% target. We shall see. Um, the labor market has started to show um, some signs of slowing. Uh, we also got the ISM service index, which fell for the fifth straight month last uh, last month. Um, demand is definitely starting to slow. When you look at purchasing managers, uh, they are certainly implying that the economy, uh, the, the economy, the outlook for the economy, both the business level and the consumer level, is is certainly weakening. And so, um, all of this is pointing most likely towards a slowdown in the U.S. economy. Um, it's going to be very interesting. Um, so in the coming weeks, next week we get the CPI number, which is the consumer price index with the, the inflation print, and then we get the PPI number, which is the producer price index. So we get inflation at the consumer level and at the wholesale level uh, for the month of March. It's going to be very interesting to see uh, what the inflation numbers look like for the month of March. Um and we also get earnings season starting. For, so, you know, we just finished first quarter earnings or first quarter. And so we're going to start to get earnings reports from those companies. And it's going to be very interesting to see uh, what's going on in different industries. You know, we, we look at layoffs across the economy. It's it's mostly been tied to the technology, big technology firms. And what's funny to me is the headline is the layoffs that you're seeing at all these firms. But what they don't also include is how many people they've added in staffing over the last three years. Um, the amount of people they laid off is just a tiny sliver of a drop in the bucket relative to how many people they've added um, over the last few years. But that those CP, the CPI and the PPI number next week, um, along with the earnings season starting, is going to be the determining factor of the next move in the market. So when we get to these sort of voids where we have not a lot of economic data coming out about inflation and we don't have many earnings reports come out uh, because there's so much cash on the sidelines, markets tend to trade higher um, because, you know, the, the, the assumption is that by the market, at least, is that the Fed's close to being done cutting rates or raising rates and that sometime later this year they're going to cut. Um, and, you know, like Josh and I have said in the past, uh, we've never started a new bull market while the Fed is still raising interest rates. Nor, and the corollary to that, nor are we going to tame inflation without Fed funds exceeding the rate of inflation, and that we're getting closer to an equilibrium there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, when we get the March numbers, it might be we might be at this, you know, yeah. we're at the inflection point, um, which I, I I feel like the markets will view as positive, but we shall see when we get there. The question I think for us and what we've been talking about is just, you know, we're seemingly just by the per relative performance of small caps over the last couple of weeks is is bad news finally going to be bad news because there was that point at the beginning of 2023 where it seems like we walked in a big circle where bad news was being interpreted positively uh, by markets because it meant that we were closer to the end of the hiking cycle than the beginning and uh, we walked in a giant circle and now we're to the point of where maybe bad news is going to be bad news because that's going to feed into a declining corporate it's, earnings. It's just hard for me to get to a place mentally where I can see the Federal Reserve cutting interest rates at any point in 2020. No, and I think when you see you see, see them, their mouthpieces that they seemingly use to communicate with markets, they're trying to hammer home that message to the market. That it's not going to happen. Yeah, and you know, Santoli had a good point earlier this week that I want to point out, which is Fed funds futures... Uh, performance over time, very, very piss poor, you know, uh, sub 10% accuracy rate. Uh, so the market's expectation of rate cuts into this that's being priced in later this year, probably wrong. So the other thing is we as we get closer to the tax filing deadline, the April 18th, um, you can still make your 2022 retirement plan and health savings account contributions for last year up until the date you file your taxes or April 15th, whatever comes first. And then, you know, you, this is certainly a time where you need to think about rebalancing. Uh, make sure you own a globally diversified portfolio. We've seen a sell-off in the dollar, and obviously owning international, if that continues, will uh, certainly be uh, something you want to consider having in your portfolio because we know when we do our free retirement reviews with people that we are not seeing much globally diversified sophistication in portfolios.
All right. As always, if you would like to be part of a program, have a question or comment, call us 877-670-7117. You can email us at, uh, if you go to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. When we come back, we're going to talk about fee transparency and understanding it and why it's so important. Stick around. Get your free one-hour retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, Travel Plaza in Madras, you get food, fuel, and fun all in one fabulous stop. After you fuel up with our low fuel prices, enjoy something fresh from our deli. Shop our store for local crafts and jewelry, travel essentials, electronics, and more. Then have some fun in our game room with 30 of the hottest slot machines and all the rewards you can handle. Life's good on the plateau. Food, fuel, and fun. Since 1999, Auto Network Group, ANG and Bend, has been delivering on the American promise of driving excitement. Hi, Fred Johnson here. Auto Network Group buyers scour the market selecting only the best of the best. Cars, trucks, SUVs, vans, and top-of-the-line RVs. They have the brands you can trust. Let Auto Network Group match your active Central Oregon lifestyle with the perfect vehicles for things you love to do. The buying experience at ANG is streamlined. Apply online, get pre-approved financing, select your new late model car, truck, SUV, or RV. And in three easy steps, you can be driving something new. They take pride in their 100% positive feedback rating. Go to ANGBend.com to see their big inventory and see what other satisfied customers have to say. Or stop in today at Auto Network Group, just behind Target on Robo Lane and Bend. Auto Network Group, delivering driving excitement. Adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis who are candidates for systemic or phototherapy, now they're SkyRizzy. Rizenkizumab Rizza, a prescription-only 150-milligram injection. With SkyRizzy, three out of four people achieve 90% clear skin at four months. And SkyRizzy is just four doses a year after two starter doses. Nothing in me go hand in hand. Nothing on my skin, that's my new plan. Don't use if allergic to SkyRizzy. Serious allergic reactions and an increased risk of infections or a lower ability to fight them may occur. Before treatment, your doctor should check for infection and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms, such as fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you plan to or recently received a vaccine. With SkyRizzy, you could achieve 90% clearer skin. Ask your doctor about the number one dermatologist prescribed biologic and psoriasis and visit SkyRizzy.com or call 1-866-SKY-RIZZY to learn more. Connect to the Financial Focus Radio Show on YouTube or iTunes. Listen to past shows, get our bi-weekly e-news, and keep up to date on the market. You can also sign up for our e-newsletter on our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Let's get back to the show. If you'd like to sign up for a free retirement interview, one of us will give you an hour of our time to talk about anything in your financial life. Uh, so if you have at least $500,000 of investable assets, call our office to get it scheduled. The number here is 800-743-0988, or you can send us an email by going to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Just let us know you'd like a free retirement review. 
Uh, all right. Obviously, now that the month of April has started, the second quarter has started. And so I thought we could just take a quick glimpse at how uh, assets classes did in the first quarter. Um, I know a lot of people, this is going to come as a surprise to you, but the first quarter for risk assets was unbelievably good, especially if you own U.S. large cap growth stocks, <laughs> namely Microsoft and Apple. But um, if you look at uh, the month of March was really where the outperformance came. Uh, on a year-to-date basis, the NASDAQ is up. It was up in the first quarter 16.8%. In the month of March, it was up 6.7%. Uh, the Russell 1000 growth, 14% for the year, 6.7% for the, for the month of March. Uh, the S&P in the first quarter was up 7%, and in the month of March, 3.5%. So half of the performance in the first quarter came in the month of March. Where we saw where we're starting to see weaknesses in small caps, and we've talked about that uh, the Russell, um, the Russell 2000 uh, for the year is up 2.3, so that's the small cap index. But the month of March, it was down 5%. And as Josh and I have been talking, we sort of feel like the, what's going on in the bond market as it relates to yields coming down and uh, what's going on with small cap stocks is, is sort of the real indicator of what markets at least feel like is going on in the real economy, meaning the economy is slowing and uh, money is moving to safety, so out of riskier assets like small cap stocks and into U.S. Treasuries, which means prices of Treasuries going up and yields are going down, and which is precisely what we're seeing. And it gives me reasons to be positive, though, because it just shows that you know the with the pace of rate increases and you know the degree of quantitative tightening, which you know is really unprecedented, even though it's you know a rounding error relative to history. But my point is just that just how slowly the economy is actually slowing, it shows you that there's just this relentless bias towards growth because of the midst because of the demographic transition that we're in the midst of, and so you know it gives me real uh, reason to be really optimistic that. Uh, we're, we're going to plow through this. And the one thing all recessions have in common is the end. This, I feel like this will be more you're, like... You're optimistic because you live in the United States of America. Well, but it's more like the early 90s then. But you know what I mean? It's like we, you you still believe that the system works and that we will get through this. It's just... And, I, and the, the worse the data... You know, it's at some point it's like I want... The, the recession to officially happens because then it can be we can be closer to it being it's over. It's just like I feel like that especially the older investors out there, everyone's walking around with a 2008 hammer looking for a 2008 nail. Well, obviously, and that's we saw the market's reaction to the the, the so-called banking crisis two weeks ago and was similar. The banking system is and does not resemble the 2008 banking system at. At all. Well, because it has the Fed put. Yeah. The Fed's going to backstop any systemically important bank in the country, as uh, evidenced by what happened. Unless you live in uh, Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma or Iowa or Kansas. They're not backstopping your or bank. Or Florida. Sorry. Florida's not systemically important either. <laughs> uh, okay, so, you know, Josh and I do a lot of free retirement views. And, uh, you know, one of the things that's a common theme in these retirement views is, uh, we ask uh, people how they pay their advisor, and we often get a blank stare back. And so, w- one of the things that we frustrates us beyond belief is that this, you know, this idea that uh, because you don't understand or you don't see the fee that you're paying your advisor, that you're not paying them. I mean, TD Ameritrade did a study and they surveyed a bunch of investors, uh, like twenty thousand investors, and seventy um, percent of the people that they surveyed said they didn't pay their advisor a fee. And it's like, well. How's your advisor paying their staff? And how is your advisor paying rent? And how do they pay their mortgage and all? So, of course, you're paying a fee. And so one of the things that we think is vitally important for our industry in providing some trust, because, you know, people don't trust financial advisors. And and I agree with them that for good reason, they shouldn't trust most financial advisors. And it's because they're not honest and they're not transparent. So one of the things that's really important is to understand how you pay your advisor. And, and that's called, we, we, we really want fee transparency. Because I think most of you, if you thought about it, you realize, okay, well, I have to pay this person this, to help me. They're not going to do it out of the goodness of their heart. And so understanding exactly how you're paying them can go a long ways in, in helping you understand if your interests are aligned financially. Because that's one of the things that's really important in, good, in, in encouraging good behavior of your advisor is, if their interests are aligned with yours financially, it's going to encourage them uh, to do the right thing by you. And so um, too often, Josh and I see uh, people that come in and they have a spattering of different investment products, each one of which they paid their advisor in a different way, but none of them 
none of the transactions, was it clear to the client how they pay their advisor and how much and that kind of thing. So um, it, it's funny in the year 2023 that this is still being discussed because there's so much information available on this great old thing called the Internet. Uh, but it's still that a lot of advisors are, are a- acting in a very old-fashioned way. And just for disclosure, Josh and I are, are fee-based advisors. We charge a fee. Our clients pay us a fee uh, on an annual basis. Um to, to manage their money. And they're the only ones that pay us. We don't get paid by anybody else. Uh, but just so you understand, there are the different sort of ways that you can pay your advisor. One is a good old fashioned upfront sales load, sales charge that you would pay if you bought an annuity or, or a certain share class of mutual funds, uh, where in the annuities case, you're not going to see this, the, the sales load that you're paying. So let's say you put $100,000 in an annuity and the annuity pays your advisor 7% or $7,000, you're not going to see that commission, but it does get paid. And to me, I would want to, if I was buying that annuity, I would want to know that the person selling to me me is going to get paid $7,000. Those same products often pay what's called a trail, meaning it's a trail, part part of the fee that that the product is charging also has enough... uh, fee in there that they can pay the advisor a trail uh, on an annual basis. So it might be up to 1% that that fund company or annuity company is paying your advisor um, that you don't see again. You're not seeing that. Um, and so again, lack of transparency. So they, you know, they might get that upfront commission and then an ongoing treat, uh, fee. It's oftentimes called a 12B1 marketing fee. Um, you could so our clients do pay a transaction charge, a small uh, transaction fee for, to our custodian. We don't get any of that fee, but they are paying trading costs uh, when they trade. So you want to make sure that you understand that um, that 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 there could be a, even if you're paying your advisor advisor fee that you could be paying a transaction fee as well. Um, some advisors charge for a finan- financial plan, so if they're going to do a financial plan for you, they might charge you by the hour. They might charge you, uh, you know, some fixed rate for the financial plan. So understanding that. Um, and then if you have an investment advisor that uses products and send individual security. So, you know, we use exchange traded funds in our practice with our clients, those exchange traded products have a fee associated with them. They're very low in our case that we're using, but understanding that those fees um, are also being borne by you. And if you're in an advisory account, this is a thing that we often see is people look at the wrap advisory fee and they compare those. And that's the only consideration that they make as well. This advisor charges 1.25 and this advisor charges 1%. So I'm going to go with the lower fee, but the products and those internal fees that you're utilizing within the advisory account, you can't just compare the, compare them. They have you, you have to be able to know ultimately what underlies the advisory account because that is going to make the difference entirely on the fee side. All right. If you'd like to sign up for our e-newsletter, Josh and I do a short uh, video in the middle and end of every month. Uh, we did one last week where we talk about what's going on in the market, especially as it relates to our clients' money. So to get added to our e-newsletter list, go to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. Send us an email. Just let us know you'd like to be added to that list. When we come back, we're going to tackle some of your email questions. So stick around. Sign up for our e-news today. Get the latest thoughts on the market every other week from Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management delivered right to your inbox. The short five to six minute video helps you keep up with the market. You can always watch past videos on YouTube or on NorthwestQuadrantWealth.com. Washington Trust Bank. Can't is a four-letter word. I think I'll sell my veggies at the market. You can't even remember to water the house plants. Hey, we need to build a home office. We can. We're adding another bathroom. I think I'll study programming. Bro, you can't even connect your phone to Bluetooth. Whether you're looking for a personal line of credit to build a home office or a loan to take your business to the next level, we'll help you get there. Go to watrust.com to get started. Washington Trust Bank. Member FDIC. 
To some, the sound of a baby babbling doesn't mean much, but that's not true. They're testing out vowels and consonants and trying different sounds. And by 12 months, their babbling is beginning to take on meaning, especially if there's no babbling at all. Little to no babbling by 12 months or later is just one of the possible signs of autism in children. Learn more at AutismSpeaks.org. Central Oregon is a great way to describe where we live. It's centrally located, close to mountains, rivers, lakes, and within just a short drive of the beach, too. At Thomason Auto Group, they're just like you. They like to get out there and enjoy what this part of the world has to offer. But getting there should be part of the adventure, too. Thomason has hundreds of great cars, trucks, and SUVs hand-picked so pretty much anything you're looking for is in stock and just waiting for someone like you to go out and enjoy your next journey because the journey is just as important as the destination. Thomason Auto Group is family-owned with locations in Bend and Redmond. They're close by and ready to help you find the right vehicle to get you out there and enjoy the great Central Oregon outdoors. Enjoy the journey with a little help from Thomason Auto Group. Online at Thomason.com. About 100 years ago, Bend started up as a lumber town with mostly small wooden homes built to shelter the mill workers. Today, it's a bustling city of startups and established businesses with a tremendous variety of homes built to enjoy the outdoor lifestyle. For more than a half of that century, Duke Warner Realty has been here to help people buy and sell those homes. Family owned and operated since 1967, Duke Warner has a team of brokers who know the community and the market inside out. With many decades of expertise in the Central Oregon area, we're your friends and neighbors who believe that combining old-fashioned hard work with the newest technologies gives you the competitive edge. We'll walk you through the listings, the comps, the offers, the counteroffers, the inspections, the escrow, the clear Closing. We'll even walk you through the walkthrough until finally the celebration. So if you're ready to move now or any time in the next hundred years, contact Duke Warner Realty because when it comes to real estate, you can't fake experience. You know, a lot of people like this time of year. Everything's greening up. I'm with you. It feels like it's all new again. And Wilson's Spring Savings Event is the perfect time to take a little green and renew some of those tired-looking rooms in your home. Yeah, a little green for a lot of new. Right now, Wilson's has special prices on quality handmade Amish furniture and bedroom sets. Stressless or the unmatched style of leather Italia. We've got great deals on Englander and luxury heirloom mattresses. Plus, an impressive selection of furniture made in Oregon. Customer response has been so good, we're extending the spring clearance sale all this month. Hurry in for best selection. Free delivery and special 0% financing available. See store for details. At Wilson's of Redmond. It's happening right now. We've got the furniture and mattress for you. Bringing in that spring feeling since 1962. You're listening to Financial Focus Radio Show, where you get honest and actionable advice every week from the partners at Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management. Remember, you can always listen to past shows on iTunes or find us on NorthwestQuadrantWealth.com. Welcome back to Financial Focus. Thank you for joining us on this Easter weekend. Uh, Major League Baseball has started again. College baseball is in full swing, but I went to uh, opening day at the Oakland A's uh, stadium, the the pathetic Coliseum. It's so sad these days, but they played the uh, Angels, and Shohei Otani started. Uh, obviously, I got to see Mike Trout, but Shohei is uh, all that is billed and more. It was funny to see uh, all of the huge Shohei fans from all over, the, mostly from Japan, there screaming. It, it, he's he is really interesting to see. Um, but I, I think that the my point in bringing this up was I think that the Oakland A's are going to have to move to to uh, Las Vegas like the Raiders did because 
the, the place. It was opening day against show, you know, and the place was half full. It was really sad. And I'm a Red Sox fan. And on opening day at Fenway, there's chowder heads hanging from the rafters stuffed into Fenway Park. And so <laughs> uh, it, it's uh, it's interesting. Obviously, the, the if they do move to Las Vegas, there is a huge fan base there because look what happened with the Raiders. They welcome them with open arms. Um, uh, so one of the things before we tackle some of your email questions I wanted to bring up was uh, – this thing called the reverse repo uh, deal that the Federal Reserve is doing. So, one, you know, the Federal Reserve has a lot of tools. They have the express tools, and the biggest one that people think about is the Fed funds rate, you know, the, the, that they talk about all the time, and that's what everybody thinks is so really important, and it is. I'm not here to say that it isn't, but they have other tools that are probably more impactful on the economy that nobody really understands, and that's this uh, reverse repo program that the Fed uh, started. It's essentially another way for them to sop up money that would normally be in the banking system um, because money, ha and if you look at where money has flowed, so money's been flowing out of banks and it's been flowing into money markets, and these money markets are going to the Federal Reserve and essentially parking it at the Federal Reserve in this re reverse repo uh, program. Um, and if you think about what that would normally do, it would be normally be at a bank. And so let's say have $100,000 at a bank, uh, in a savings account, well, that bank can then turn around and leverage that hundred thousand into a million dollars of lending out to small businesses and for for houses and that sort of thing. And so, it's another way to sort of tighten the money supply and slow down uh, the economy that they're really not talking about. But it actually is much more impactful uh, than the, what the Fed funds rate is in, in terms of slowing the economy because if if it really slows down the activity, uh, lending activity. Um, I know there's a shadow banking activity that exists, but if it shows, slows down, you know, that car dealer from uh, buying the lot next to them to to put more cars on on it, um, and that activity that would transpire, you know, that has a m very material impact. So I think what's going to happen here in the coming months is we're going to see a very material impact to demand, meaning demand is going to decline substantially, which will then in turn have a huge impact on inflation. And by the summer, uh, the Fed could very well have inflation uh, tamed much more than I probably previously thought even a month ago. But time will tell, right? And that's why I don't time markets. Okay, let's tackle I, – I think Josh is disagreeing with me. That can't ever be allowed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got an email from a Jack K. Jack, hopefully you know who you are. I'm taking your advice and investing in indexes. Congratulations. Uh, but what I want to know is it best for me to use an exchange traded fund or a mutual fund to get my exposure? Well, all else being equal, they own the same things. But, um, you know, we would definitely recommend using an exchange traded fund uh, for a couple reasons. Uh, the first reason is that there's usually, you know, you go down and look at the mutual fund indexes related to the uh, exchange traded fund indexes on any fund provider, whether it's Vanguard, Schwab. Uh, I don't even know if Schwab actually offers mutual fund versions of their index funds, but the Vanguard ones, there's like a two or three basis points fee discrepancy. Uh, the other thing, if you go and you look at... Meaning the ETF's a little bit cheaper. Yeah, the ETF's a little bit cheaper. And then the other thing, they also manage the mutual funds and try to be as tax efficient as possible, but just because they're 1940 Act funds, uh, they... When you go back and you look at the historical capital gains distributions, uh, they're pretty small, but the bigger the dollar amount that you have invested in there, the bigger the difference it matters uh, within your taxable account. And so, you know, all else being equal, there's going to be a degree of tax efficiency available from the exchange-traded fund uh, that you just can't get from a 1940 Mutual Act fund. And so uh, use the ETF. The other advantage, of course, is the daily, uh, daily pricing, meaning, you know, within an intraday you can sell it or whatever else, but uh, not have to wait to the end of the day. But that's less, less relevant for people that are just long-term buy-and-hold investors. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, so first, congratulations, Jack. You're doing the right thing in, in NX. And, you know, it's it's not a huge difference, but, you know, just so you know, in our business, we use the ETF, the exchange traded funds for the reasons that Josh outlined. Uh, and on our scale, it definitely matters. And we, and we, in our case, really like the daily trade throughout the day as opposed to trade at the end of the day. For us, that's a big a big factor. But for most people, like Josh said, it doesn't matter. So either way you go, you're going to be in good shape, especially if you're buying uh, big, broad market indexes, whether you use a fund or an ETF. But uh, I agree with everything uh, uh, that Josh just said. All right, we got another email from. Um, well, here, here I'll just read his email. <clears throat> I'm, I'm retiring later this year. I have a pension that has two options: 
a monthly payout for the rest of my life or my my life and my wife's life, or I can roll the pension money into an IRA. I've met with a few advisors, and two of them tell me if I buy an annuity with that money, I will get more money over my lifetime. Do you guys have an opinion on the matter? Best, Jim. Um, well, <laughs> I would say, Jim, grab your wallet and run. Uh, so, so the deal is, is your pension. Let's say it's hers with the state of Oregon. Um, the state of Oregon has 13 different payout options that you can take uh, in the, in the form of an annuity because that's what pension really is. It's an annuity from the state of Oregon, um, and so. You know, you can take the the less risk you leave the state of Oregon, the higher the payout, monthly payout's going to be. Meaning, if you just do it for your lifetime, that's going to be the highest payout that, that the state of Oregon is going to give you. Because, you know, based on the life expectancy tables, you're going to die, and they know what their general liability is. But the more sort of years that you might add to the how long they're going to have to pay you, the payment's going to go down a little bit. Um, but when you look at most pensions. Uh, especially if it's a federal pension or a state of Oregon pension, they're going to be much, and I say much, like a lot by a, a huge margin, uh, more generous if you take the pension, meaning take it, leave it with the state of Oregon and have them pay you out for the rest of your life versus some insurance company. Because remember, uh, the state of Oregon is a not-for-profit business, and any company that offers a pension, they're not making money on that pension, right? So it, even if it's Verizon or some big company, old line company that's offering you a pension, FedEx, for example, they're not making money on that pension. They are literally just, it's a liability that the company has to pay that out. Um, and so the insurance company, the annuity company is a for-profit business. They are wanting, the, you know, so there is the margin in there that they need to make in order uh, for it to be profitable for them. So the advisor, you know, we, I think in the 20 years I've been doing this, I think I've had one person roll out from, especially from a PERS program, uh, and, and not, they didn't buy an annuity, they just moved it into an investment account. Um, you know, the advisor, obviously, if you leave it and take a monthly income from the state of Oregon or from a company in the form of a pension, the advisor gets paid zero. So think about the conflicts of interest of there that exist there. If you roll it into an annuity, they're going to get paid a big commission and they're going to get paid probably some trail and it's going to be good for them, but not so good for you. So uh, the only thing I'd say is maybe the people that do want to roll it out. You know, if you do a if you do a life just a life payout with a with a pension, um, once you die, that payment stops if, unless you do the life option, uh, or, or or period certain option. So that might be one example where if you have plenty of other income and and you want to make sure your beneficiaries get the money that's in the pension, you might in that case roll it out. And that's the example when we had a client roll it out. They had plenty of other income and and they just wanted to make sure their beneficiaries got the whole lump sum dollar amount. But you know, in most cases, when I say most, 99% of cases, the pension is going to be much more generous from an uh, from a monthly income standpoint um, because they are not making money on the pension. It's just a liability uh, to the entity, whether it be the state, the federal government, or a company. Uh, and you, so you have to, again, follow the money and say, wait, why is this advisor wanting me to roll it out? Oh, yeah, because that's the only way they're going to get paid is if I roll this and move it to them. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we're, we understand why they do it. Uh, we just know that it, it, it's really bad for the person that, buying it. That particular instance when it's rolling it into an annuity is the most egregious of all. Yeah, well, they got to get paid. <laughs> all right. If you'd like to take one of us up on a free retirement view, we'll give you an hour of our time to talk about anything in your financial life. So if you, you have at least $500,000 of investable assets, call our office to get one of those scheduled. The number here is 800-743-0988 or go to our website and send us an email northwestquadrantwealth.com Get your free one-hour retirement review. Meet with a Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, 800-743-0988.
It's that time of year again. It's the first day of spring. Indian Head Casino's $80,000 It's a Spring Thing is blooming in April. Attention, please. With spring into hot seats every Friday. Earn entries every day for our $25,000 Bloomin' Baskets giveaway. Drawings every Saturday. Every Monday is Hero Day. Honoring veterans, first responders, and medical staff. Swipe your Players Club card for up to $25 in bonus slot play and more. Plus, get free entries into our incredible Hero Drawings on March 27th. Tuesdays, it's Nifty 50 Club Day. Swipe to win bonus slot play, plus get free entries into Indian Head's Nifty 50 Hot Seat Drawings. Wednesdays, it's Queen's Night Out for you ladies. Thursdays, Jack's Night Out for you guys. Swipe and win bonus slot play and other great prizes. And don't miss our $300 blackjack tournaments on select Sundays. It's Indian Head's $80,000 It's a Spring Thing Cash Giveaway. Win cash, bonus slot play, free gas cards, and more. Yeah. Indian Head Casino, where winners play. Total cash and prices in April. You must be 21. See Players Club for details. Hello, hello. This is Christy from the Cosmic Depot. I am here today to ask, why wait? Why wait to get your camping and festival gear all tuned up and ready to go? Check out your fun provision stash today and see what needs a fill-up. You got incense, friend? Cosmic Depot does. Is that tapestry looking a little fraught? The Cosmic Depot has a rainbow of beautiful cotton tapestries waiting to join your party. Come on into the Cosmic Depot and spice up your spring and summer fun to come. Find a cute new frock or a signature scent, a sparkling new pendant and matching earrings. Get a mini peace flag to state your intent and put your boogie face forward, ready to greet your days when you shop at Cosmic Depot. At the Cosmic Depot, we celebrate you dancing life in your special way and embracing your tune seven days a week from 10 to 6 at 342 Northeast Clay and Bend. I thought learning a language would be too much work. Then I discovered Babbel. They make learning fun. J'aime Babel. Babbel's lessons only take 10 or 15 minutes. Quick and easy. And soon, you turn and realize, hey, I'm starting to speak another language. How'd that happen? My friend from Italy said my accent and pronunciation is perfect. It's because Babbel's lessons are designed by language teachers and voiced by real native speakers. Each lesson is like living in another country for 15 minutes. I love that there's all kinds of ways to learn. Babbel's podcast or games or videos. You can even join live classes with a language teacher. You learn words and phrases you actually use in real conversations. In three weeks, I was starting to speak in another language. So easy. If you want to learn a language, there's no faster, easier, better way than Babbel. Go to Babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Babbel.com. Thank you for joining Financial Focus Radio Show. Honest, transparent analysis brought to you every week by Tyler Simonis and Josh Finelli. Call the show anytime at 877-670-7117. We'll try to answer your question on the air in the following weeks. Now, back to the team from Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management. Welcome back. I'm part of said team. My name's Tyler Simonis. That guy over there, he is Josh Finelli. Excuse me, we're partners at Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management here in the beautiful Pacific Northwest where uh, I have to believe that spring is going to come at some point uh, because it certainly doesn't feel like it. But it is Easter this weekend, believe it or not. And I was looking at pictures, you know, your iPhone sends you, his, you know, those those memories uh, of pictures of years gone past. And man, lots of Easter's here in Central Oregon. The weather was quite nice. I was on the golf course and it was shorts and a T-shirt. That's not going to be true this year. Okay, um, this comes from Bloomberg. Um, Bloomberg did a study, a uh, retirement study this year uh, in 2023, and they looked at working millennials. So Josh, people 40 years old or younger, Josh's demo. And then they looked at workers that are 45 years and older up up to, you know, people that are um, in God's waiting room. And they looked at their asset allocation for their retirement assets. Um, and millennials had the same exposure to stocks as everybody else, so the, the older generations. 31% of their money on average was in stocks. Uh, 16% was in bonds, same as the older generation. But the interesting thing was that millennials had more cash as a percentage than people older than them. They had 33% of their money in retirement accounts 
in cash, uh, where older generations had 29%. Um, and so what's interesting to me about that is that here's the generation that should be loving the fact that we are in a bear market and that stocks are cheaper than they were a year and a half ago and have be allocating more and more money to stocks because <clears throat> if you're 40 years old or younger uh, and you have 25 years, the market is going to be a lot higher than it is 25 years from now. So why wouldn't you be piling that 33% you have in cash into stocks and getting those dividends reinvested? Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. But Anecdotally, this is the generation that graduated from college during the global financial it's crisis. It's like the information overload thing, though. I mean, anecdotally, like I know so many people that are just – they make that binary decision in and out, and they just try to time markets, and they believe it's totally Doable. Doable. Yeah, they, you know, in in their defense, doesn't make it right, but in their defense, you guys were graduating from college in the, during the global financial crisis, and so when you see the market sell off, you think that again the global financial crisis is coming back, and and you know we're gonna have fifty plus percent declines, and and they want to avoid that. When even if we do get that, they should still stay invested through that because again, twenty five years from now, the market will be materially higher. And the problem with market timing for millennials or anybody is that you know you have to be right twice. You have to be right when you're getting out, but then you have to be right when you get back in. And you you look at the data of people trying to time markets. They do usually eventually get back in, but at a price much, much higher well, where they get out. We know that's how it works. And a lot of those people that went to cash and have missed a bunch of the sell-off, uh, they're not going to believe it when the market ultimately comes back and they will have missed out on all of the reinvestment in the uh, in the you know those interceding months where well you know how the this is what they say to us at least they say well I'm going to get out and then you know when the market goes down another twenty or twenty five percent I'm going to get back in and then you say to them once the market's down another twenty five percent okay now's the time to get back in they're like no it's going to get infinitely worse yep. and I'm going to wait for things to get better well guess what the market is forward looking and when things look better in the economy the market will have traded up over a hundred percent and you'll have missed it and that hundred percent is the most important well, percent and that comes when the data is in fact the most bleak <laughs> yeah the market bottomed during the global financial crisis on March the 9th 2009 when the data was awful the, the economy didn't emerge from a recession for nine more months uh, but the market bottomed nine months earlier and so that's our point is it you know if you waited for the recession to end you would have missed 80 plus percent return in the market uh, which is a hard, a hard percentage to miss okay so I wanted to talk about um, seven virtues of great investors. And so when I think about these kind of things, uh, I always think about Charlie, Char Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett or Benjamin Graham, who was one of the teachers of Warren Buffett. He wrote The Intelligent Investor and Securities Analysis. Um, and they, th those guys constantly emphasize temperament um, in their repeated you know, they, they, they say temperament is really important to be a successful investor. They say that uh, investors with the highest IQs often don't earn the highest returns. So these are sort of the virtues that uh, are really important to have uh, or great investors have. And one is uh, curiosity. And the one thing that's funny to me is when I think about Buffett, he's not all that. He is relatively curious, but he's not curious from an investment perspective, meaning he, there's some themes in investing that he's missed out badly because he wasn't curious enough. But being a success, a lot of successful investors are curious and uh, and also saying, wait, there. I don't know enough about this. I need to learn about this. I know that the world is constantly changing, and that's one of the things that uh, I have trouble with. Um, you know, staying, realizing that maybe there are things that do change over time, and being curious about that. Um, but this is one that Buffett is really good about, and I'm really good about skepticism. Right. So if you think about being a skeptic uh, as an investor, it can serve you well because. You know, people think that when markets are going straight up, it's very easy. And that's when you need to be the most skeptical is like, well, what's driving this? Is it free money? Is it earnings? No, it's free money. And so as Buffett gives the, the analogy, uh, the best part about investing is it's it's sort of like baseball. You can stand at home plate in the batter's box and let as many pitches go by as you want to get your pitch. You don't have to, you're never going to strike out. So you can let ball after ball go down past you until you get the pitch that you want to swing at. 
Um, and that's where that skeptic skepticism comes in. You don't, you know, you, even sometimes you can miss great investment opportunities uh, because you're skeptical, but it also keeps you uh, from the, the sort of zeros, is it, you know, getting caught up in, wait, what's really driving this? Um, that's why skepticism, skepticism is important. Independence, Josh and I wholeheartedly believe in this one, and it's one of the things that we value and we like that because we're, we live in a place like Central Oregon. There can be lots of groupthink in investing. So if you live in a money center, that groupthink can be very, very dangerous. If you, like I started in the, my career in Boston, New York has groupthink, LA. It can be very dangerous and suck you down a bad rabbit hole. It's capital. And watching, uh, <laughs> remember, consensus never realizes itself. And just watching the evolving consensus in financial markets and then getting to see the outcome as it relates to that consensus. It's, uh, the longer you participate in it, the more obvious it is. Uh, humility is another big one. You know, willing, being willing to admit mistakes and 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 move on. You know, and, and so sometimes, like Buffett, the example Buffett gave, he was buying ConocoPhillips hand over fist when oil was at 150 bucks a barrel, uh, and he you know he took a two billion dollar loss in that, and he just said, look, I made a mistake and I, I have to move on. Uh, you know, he did it with USAir. He did it a bunch of times, but it, you know he, he was he, he had enough humility to admit it and move on. Discipline. This is the definitely the most important one in my mind. Um, it, it's like Josh and I practice rules-based investing. This is where that discipline comes in because remember, uh, we are emotional creatures, uh, and when it comes to money, we become even more emotional. And so that's where the discipline comes in. Um, you know, you need to be uh, fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful, and that's that comes from discipline. Uh, and then the last two, real quick, are patience. Obviously, uh, time in the market is, is the most important thing. Uh, and then lastly, courage. Uh, do the right thing when other people aren't is is important, but that patience one and discipline, um, you know, if you can if you can achieve average returns for an above average period of time, you will get great results. And so those are sort of some of the things that are really important to have as an investor. Um, and and the funny thing is, is the last decade, the people that seem to be great investors didn't have many of these qualities, and they're getting kicked in the mouth right now. So. Uh, if you'd like to be part of the program, you have a question or a comment, call us 877-670-7117, or you can always email us by going to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com. When we come back, we're going to talk about what a phased retirement might look like. So stick around. Sign up for our e-news today. Get the latest thoughts on the market every other week from Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management delivered right to your inbox. The short five to six minute video helps you keep up with the market. You can always watch past videos on northwestquadrantwealth.com.